This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. My takeaway from the research that's been conducted to date is that you're just seeing the tip of an iceberg with this map. Essentially, where there is industry, airports, or high population areas, we are likely to eventually find PFCs in our water and in our blood. That's Eric Yege, WQA Technical Affairs Director, speaking at the recent virtual Mid-Year Leadership Conference Industry Update. And welcome to another episode of WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. You can find us at wqa.org on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. This is podcast number 88. And if you're a first-time listener, we're glad you're here. Welcome. Glad that you uh, have taken some time to check us out. And if you've been with us before, well, of course, welcome back. In this episode, we feature Eric Yegi's presentation on the growing concerns about PFOA, in our industry update program that we offered after Hurricane Florence forced WQA to cancel its on-site mid-year leadership conference in Hilton Head, South Carolina. We simply regrouped and offered the presentation online. Later, I'll have this week's WQA tip. Now, on to WQA Technical Affairs Director, Eric Yegi on WQA Radio. Last year, we spoke about drinking water challenges, which are uniquely suited to point of use and point of entry solutions. We talked about lead because as a society, we spend billions of dollars treating billions of gallons of drinking water to a very high level of quality. And then we send it through miles of pipe where it picks up lead. That the lead that is picked up in the pipes can only be removed by treating the water in the home. Also in those pipes lives a thriving ecosystem of bacteria and other organisms. Again, those organisms picked up in our pipes can only be removed through treatment in the home. We also talked about the water and the energy nexus because water heating applications consume more energy when you introduce hard water scale and the technology advances which are allowing us to heat water more efficiently are even more prone to the negative impacts of hard water scale. This year, I'm gonna talk about perfluorochemicals or PFCs. We learned these chemicals were finding their way into our drinking water from industries that were applying nonstick coatings and also from airports where they were used in firefighting foams. We now know that there are many other sources of these chemicals and that they are finding our way into our drinking water from a broad range of industries. They're used in packaging, clothing, carpet, and many, many more industries. Much like the issues we spoke about last year, this new drinking water challenge is also uniquely suited to a point of use or point of entry solution. And I'm going to explain why I feel that way. The US has been identified as one of the four global hotspots for PFC contamination. But for reasons that will become clear to you, I believe the science will prove that this problem is global in nature and that we're simply one of the countries who's thought to look for PFCs in our drinking water and also in our blood. So where are we finding PFCs here in the US? This map was published by the Environmental Working Group or EWG in 2017. It draws in part upon data collected by the EPA through the Unregulated Contaminant Monitoring Rule 
or the UCMR, but also from other sources. My takeaway from the research that's been conducted to date is that you're just seeing the tip of an iceberg with this map. Essentially, where there is industry, airports, or high population areas, we are likely to eventually find PFCs in our water and in our blood. So why do I say this is just the tip of the iceberg? David Lovedale was able to get us an invitation to the PFC Summit that was held in Washington, D.C. earlier this year. I want to share some of my highlights from that summit with you, which I hope will help put this problem in perspective. First, you need to understand that the term PFCs refers to not one chemical, but a large class of chemicals. The speakers at the summit estimated that there are over 3,000 or 4,000 of these chemicals in use globally. Just since 20, 2006, the EPA has approved the use of 900 new PFCs through the Toxic Substances Control Act. EPA testing to date has looked for only a handful of these chemicals, most notably PFOA and PFOS. Those two chemicals, were phased out of use in the U.S. market by 2015, but they still persist in our environment and in our drinking water. Independent research has only begun to scratch the surface on looking for some of the other PFCs, such as Gen X. And one of the major obstacles that researchers face when trying to determine the scope of this problem is that the drinking water laboratories are currently only capable of testing for between six and 39 of the over 3,000 or 4,000 of the PFCs that are in use. So before the researchers can even begin to study the true scope of the problem, they're first going to have to develop and publish methods to test for those other PFCs. In terms of the risks, PFCs tend to be stable. In other words, they don't break down in the environment. They also bioaccumulate in your body. And there are serious health effects, which we've already been identified. There could be others that we just haven't studied yet. We already know that people are accumulating these chemicals in their body. I say that because the Center for Disease Control performed a study back in 2003 and 2004. In that study, they looked for PFCs in the blood serum of over 2,000 individuals. They found multiple PFCs in nearly every individual who was tested. While we know it's not good for you to have PFOA or PFOS in your body, we still do not know how much worse it might be to have a cocktail of PFCs floating around in your bloodstream. So to recap, contamination is widespread across the US and globally. The compounds are stable in the environment and they bioaccumulate. We know the most about the two PFCs which were phased out by 2015, and we know the least about all the new PFCs which are currently in use. There is no practical way that the EPA can regulate such a large class of compounds, which we know so little about through the Safe Drinking Water Act. Meanwhile, the public is justifiably concerned about the ongoing presence of these chemicals in their drinking water. So to bring this full circle, point of use and point of entry treatment can be a solution for this problem. In our industry, we already know how to use science-based surrogate studies to establish effective point of use and point of entry treatment strategies for large classes of compounds. A good example of this is the research that was funded through the WQF to validate chloroform as a surrogate. That gave manufacturers the confidence to make very broad-based claims about the removal of many organic compounds. There are three point-of-use point-of-entry technologies which have already been tested and demonstrated to remove PFCs. Anion Exchange has been tested through research funded by the Water Research Foundation, which was formerly the research arm of AWWA. The reverse osmosis units have been tested by WQA in collaboration with the Minnesota Department of Public Health and carbon systems have been tested by both WQA and NSF 
and proven to work with the longer chain PFCs and some of the sulfonated PFCs. So in conclusion, I hope this presentation explains to you why I believe the PFCs are yet another example of a class of contaminants that is uniquely suited to a point of use and point of entry solution. Thank you. And that was Eric Yege, WQA's Technical Affairs Director, talking at the recent Mid-Year Leadership Conference Industry Update Program here on WQA Radio. You can watch the video replay of the Industry Update by going to go.wqa.org M-Y-L-C. And we certainly hope you check it out. And also for WQA members, committee meetings and section meetings have been recorded and the video replays are available on the committee pages. And if you have a suggestion for a guest or segment on WQA Radio, we'd love to hear it. Send your suggestions to WQA at WQA.org. And now this week's WQA tip. Just a few days left to join WQA under the new 15 for 12 promotion. If your company becomes a WQA member by October 1st, you will get 15 months value for the price of 12. That's right. Your membership begins immediately, even though you're paying your 2019 dues. It's a great deal. And you can begin to take advantage of all WQA benefits right away. But you must join by October 1st to take advantage of that special offer. Go to wqa.org membership. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for WQA Radio, then hit subscribe. Each new podcast will appear in your podcast catcher or podcast player automatically each week. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to rate and review the podcast as well. Learn more about water at wqa.org and learn more about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio. WQA Radio.